Hey guys, what's going on? Happy 4th of July weekend to all of you out there. I hope the weather has been as amazing as it has been here on the East Coast for all of you. Uh, we did get a little bit of uh, rain last night at the fireworks show, but uh, but the rest of the day was pretty awesome. And today is shaping up to be another awesome day, so I hope you guys are having a nice, relaxing weekend uh, away from work if you are. If those of you who are overseas listening to this and you're uh, you're deployed, then hey, you know what? Uh, thanks for fighting the good fight, and thank you so much for all of you guys, you know, doing what you can out there to defend our freedom. Uh, you know, I know that it's it's weird hearing that, you know, thank you for our service type of stuff, uh, especially if it's coming from a veteran as well. But you know what? Hey, sometimes we all need a little reminder of why we're doing this, right? So hats off to all you guys uh, out there continuing the fight. And, uh, you know, this podcast here, we've got another awesome episode uh, from a very, very reputable guy in the real estate space. His name is Michael Blanc. Um, so I'm super excited to introduce him to you, but, you know, uh, hopefully you listen to this, you get some good nuggets of wisdom to carry forward and to help build some of that financial freedom. That way, when it's all said and done, you can sit back, relax, uh, having some awesome passive income coming in and not have to worry about too much, right? That's, that's the goal. Uh, anyway, uh, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, we welcome you to the show. We ask that you please go ahead and hit subscribe because you don't want to miss some of the awesome guests that we're bringing to the show. And if this is not your first time, welcome you back. And uh, know that we've got a lot of awesome things going on in the background, uh, some events that we are starting to create. We're also in the middle of creating another pillar of ADPI, one geared towards um, you know folks that are suffering from PTSD and substance abuse and, uh, and issues. You know, going forward, we, we're trying to find ways to give back. Um, and we are in the trenches, and we have a very, very fun podcast episode introducing to you guys what we are going to be developing here pretty soon. Uh, but until then, let's enjoy this awesome episode with Michael Blanc. All right, let's start the show. Hey, Freedom Fighters, welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast, the only place where military members, veterans, and their families learn how to build wealth through real estate investing. I'm your host, Mike Foster, and I'm here to show you how to stop wasting your benefits. Now get off your ass, step up to the firing line, and make ready for today's lesson. Shooter, stand by. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Active Duty Passive Income Podcast. We have an amazing and very special guest today. His name is Michael Blanc. You have definitely heard him through you know, multifamily investing. You've heard him talk about how to invest with, you know, with no cash down. This guy has done so much, and he has an amazing deal analyzer as well that I personally use when analyzing deals. Michael, how are you doing? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Doing great. Doing great. Thank you so much again for uh, coming on to the show. Uh, those, those folks out there probably don't even know it's our second time doing this, but unfortunately, you know, with crazy complications and Wi-Fi and all that, well, I appreciate your patience. and Thank you so much for coming back on. Great to be here. Yeah, we're really, really glad to have you. Um, you know, can you please just uh, kind of explain, explain to our audience, oh, I can't talk today, 
uh, you know, how you kind of started investing. I know you had a crazy journey, you know, trying a whole bunch of different things and, you know, maybe how you eventually came to multifamily. It was a pretty much a crazy uh, journey, uh, but my life was pretty much turned around when I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think a lot of people have this purple book story. In my case, it had completely right. ruined my life. Uh, what I mean by that is I, I felt I was fairly successful up until that point. I was in software and participated in a software IPO, uh, put a bunch of money in my pocket, and then I read this daggone purple book, and I was like, oh, man. It doesn't matter how much money I have in the bank. It matters how much passive income you get. And I didn't really have any except for some dividends coming off some stocks. Right. I was like, I need to change this. So I decided to throw it all away and pursue financial freedom because I had some money in a bank, but not enough to sit on my butt you know, on the beach. So I was like, I'm going to take this money and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it into cash flow. Mm. And that's what I did. And I decided since I have some money, I was going to quit my job. And then I, I, I flipped some houses. I learned how to trade stocks and options. I took an apartment building boot camp. But my big idea, Mike, was restaurants. And this is only because I was surrounded by a bunch of people who had, there were a burger franchise. And, and, and I was like, that's it. I said, look, it costs this much to open. And then you hire a guy that run everything and you sit back and count your passive income. I said, right. that's great. That's what I want. So that's what I did. And I was so hell bent on financial freedom that I just went all in. I went all in and I just uh, bought a franchise with a pizza franchise, hired a guy just like everything. And things went well for like four years and, and it, then it stopped going so well. Oh. And by the time I extricated myself out of this mess, we had like eight restaurants at one point. I had subsequently lost my IPO millions mm. um, and I clawed my way back through uh, real estate by flipping houses specifically. I don't really know any better. And I was making money, which was the good part. The bad part was it was like another job. Like it was so, it was, there was so much work to do. There was things right. going on constantly. You couldn't, I couldn't take 30 days off if I wanted to. And I had gotten into an apartment building a little bit like an afterthought. I had to, had to, uh, had to learn how to raise money through that because it was all deployed and eventually gone. So uh, finally I realized, my gosh, this apartment building is sending me mailbox money while these house flips are a lot of work. Maybe I should stop doing more I start doing more of that and less of this. And that's kind of when I shifted. And I, I shifted from the insanity uh, to more of something that is less insane, more scalable, which is apartment buildings. And I uh, started blogging about it and, uh, you know, started uh, training and coaching on it. And so today we're one of the leading authorities on multifamily investing through syndication. We have uh, a YouTube channel, podcast. We have a book out. We have online courses, live events, and mentoring. And so my mission really through my, uh, just my journey, which was took 12 years, lost a bunch of money. I want to shortcut that for people. And so my mission really is to help people become financially free with real estate, either by actively investing or by passively investing. You can achieve the same goal uh, with different means. Awesome. Outstanding. And you really have had an incredible journey. I mean, it's awesome. But, you know, just the idea of going from that business mindset, right, to that, you know, savvy investor, long-term wealth building, uh, building mindset. Uh, I think it's hard. You know, I think it's very hard. I mean, I know that we're all taught, you know, go to school, work hard, right? Get a good job. Uh, and then, you know, just save your money, right? And you're, and you're eventually going to become financially free. That's the script. That's the script, right? But like you said, you know, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and kind of put things together. And unfortunately, right, that's, that's not how it works. At least not anymore. Um, so, Phenomenal, really, really phenomenal. So, um, so can we talk real quick? And I know that our guests have probably heard this before. If they're, but if this is their first time listening to this, um, you know, why multifamily investing versus single family investing, right? Like, what can can we kind of just 
gloss over. The yeah. Wow. So, so here's the thing, single family house investing, if you're just, if that's what you're doing, what I'm about to say does not mean you should stop doing that. Okay. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be a compliment, something that you do on the side until right. you determine that it's actually something that may eventually replace it. But there are fundamental problems, issues, challenges with single family house that you don't have with a multifamily. Mm -hmm. uh, then there are some issues with the multifamily. We can talk about that as well. But, you know, first of all, the single family house stuff is, very, is a very active act activity. I really what I was looking for is financial freedom. And in my mind, I equated being a real estate investor with financial freedom. And then I discovered that, that one, the two are not actually the same. You can be a real estate investor and be in stress mode constantly. If I'm not buying, fixing or selling a house, or if I'm not fixing a toilet, if I'm a landlord, if I'm not doing those things, then I'm not going to, I'm going to stop making money. And that never appealed to me. I also didn't like the, how single family house, uh, how they reacted to, uh, to the downturn in 2008. It was, uh, it was not, a, not a good scene and that did not happen in multifamily. Uh, what I like about multifamily is I can borrow unlimited amount of money that's not personally guaranteed. I can't do that on the, on the single family house. I control the value of the multifamily. I, I, I can literally go in and, and increase the value of that by doing very specific, easy to do things. And I can't do that. Uh, so much on the on the single family house, and I can have a professional manager managing these for me, and that's very difficult to do on the single family house. Most people self manage until they get to a certain size, uh, right. and then they either create a and then they either <laughs> create a, a management company, which I had no no uh, no desire to do, mm -hmm. or they kind of see the insanity and kind of go, oh my gosh, I got to stop doing this and get into some multifamily. Either either way. Multifamily solves a lot of these things. Now, the reason that people kind of go, oh, this is great, Mike. This, I, I appreciate that. But you know what? I don't have the experience for that and I don't have the cash for it. And so they dismiss it as a, as a strategy. Wow, that's true. And, and, they don't, and they think that the experience is very hard to get, right? Um, and I think that you know, something that we've all learned from reading Rich Dad Poor Dad is the concept of leverage and how you can leverage you know, building a team to yield that experience. I mean, all that stuff is, is wonderful. And I'm, I definitely want to get into all of that. Um, so one of the things that, uh, that you mentioned, you know, in multifamily is that there are, um, a lot of differences, right? And so, uh, when you're getting into multifamily, I know it can be very, very convoluted, but can we talk real quick about what are some of the first things that, you know, someone should look for if they're getting into a multifamily investment? As an active investor or a passive investor? You know what? That's a good question. Let's, let's go for an active investor, right? Someone who's trying to maybe, um, you know, tackle, raise capital, right? Because they don't have the money. So they're looking at it as an active investor. Well, I think you got to just take a, a slight step, step back because the thing that keeps most people from multifamily is, is these, the false belief that I need money and I need experience to do it. And neither of them are actually true. I, I thought the same thing when I first got started. I would call the broker up and go, hey, I'm the man. I flipped three dozen houses. And the guy was, hey, the man, uh, how many apartments have you done? I'm like, uh, none, but look at all the houses I flipped. <laughs> and he'll be like, why don't you send me your proof of funds and I'll send you the deal. And I was like, what? What just happened here? Oh, man. And, and so I couldn't actually leverage even my single family house investing into the multifamily. It was because I made... I made various mistakes. Number one, I wasn't using the right language. I wasn't educated. Number two, I didn't have a, a team built because I felt like I was a house flipping man. Who needs a team? And so you can overcome the lack of experience without any experience by simply doing those two things. Educating yourself, and it's not hard to do. It might require a little bit of investment of time and, time and money. So you have the right language, you have the right skills and the right confidence, and that you build your team. So when you call up a broker, you're not talking about yourself. 
and your lack of experience. You're talking about, you know, Sam who manages 5,000 units in Atlanta. You're talking about, um, you know, Dugan, who is your SEC attorney, who's done, you know, 25,000 deals. And, and the broker's going to go, oh, I know Sam is a great guy. And all of a sudden we're talking about Sam and we're not even talking about you anymore. Right. And all of a sudden you're in a conversation with a, with a broker. Um, a, a lot of misconceptions, oh my gosh, I need my own money. And most people don't. And even if you do, you're going to run out of money eventually. And they're like, oh, what do I do now? See, I, it can't be done. And the solution really is mm-hmm. you got to raise money. You got to raise money from people. And it. a lot of people are uncomfortable with the idea, oh, I can't, I can't ask people for money. Uh, the only reason people say that is because they don't have the confidence in their ability. And that comes from a lack of education again. So it flows back to that. But the people with money have different problems, right? The passive investor has different problems. They're like, my gosh, the stock market thing is killing me. Um, it's going up, it's going down. I can't, I can't uh, make any kind of financial planning with any kind of reliability because there could be a crash in five years and lose half of my money. I, there's got to be something else. And when, 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 uh, when someone with money is in that position, oh, and by the way, I'm paying too many taxes on uh, my income because I'm a doctor, right? right? So you, someone like that, <laughs> someone, someone's like that, they're like, oh gosh, why, why would I talk to someone with a lot of money? You can actually help these people. Okay, you can help yes. them, give them an asset class that performed really, really, really well in the recession. So it's almost recession proof to some degree. Cash flows, okay, there's stocks don't cash flow typically, right? Is consistent, consistent returns, actually compounded returns and tax benefits you don't get anywhere else. In fact, you don't even hardly pay any taxes on your income at all. When you come like that to a high income earner, they're like, they're going to want to talk to you. They're like, where have you been all my life? Right. And here are people who are like, oh, I can't. I can't ask people for money. You're actually doing them a disservice by not educating them about uh, the syndications. That's a great point. That's a solid point, right? And so getting that education is, is uh, absolutely key. So, and, you know, part of that, I think, you know, some of the anxiety that comes in is even getting to the point where someone looks at a deal and they say, I don't even know what I would be looking for, right? You know, if I, if I found a good deal, right? How do, I, how do I know it's good? You know, so maybe... Can you just walk us through some key things that people should look at when, um, or even ask, right, when they're looking at a deal for the very first time? Again, is an active investor or passive investor? Active investor. We're going to stay active all the way. <laughs> active, through. active, active guy. Okay. Well, so again, it comes a little bit to to your education. You have to you have to know um, how to evaluate deals. You need a very strong financial model. You talked about our syndicate deal analyzer is such a such a model. It's an amazing um, tool. You know, it, it takes you a little while to to get to use it, and once you do you can very quickly answer that question. You can answer the questions such as, what is the most I can offer for this property? Uh, and, and how can I then use that and negotiate a price with a broker in terms that the broker understands? It can answer questions like, well, how do I structure this deals with my investors? Is it a 70-30 split, 80-20, 60-40? Do I, do I use a pref? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what is, my, how does, what is the effect of my financing? Do, uh, what, what are my expected returns for the investors? How much will I get paid? Right, it answers all those questions very quickly. So you need a strong financial module model that that helps helps you identify that. And so you use this model in stages based on the information that you have. One of the mistakes that I did early on is I would just every time I would make an offer, I would spend hours researching on the internet, calling people, putting the numbers in, and then I would make the offer, and the broker would dot, you know fall off his chair laughing at my ridiculously low offer. I'm like, crap, I'm wasting my time here. And so now we have this 10 minute offer technique that uses the information that you typically get in the marketing package and you make that initial informal offer. And if they don't, you know, if they don't die laughing, 
at that point, you can go a little deeper. And so okay. it's this process where you, know, you, do, you use the information that you have, you make an offer very quickly, and as you get more information, you refine the model. And once you get to the point where you're going to make a contract, you better be able to answer questions about the assumptions behind your number because anybody can model a $100 increase in rent, sure. but why, what, what makes you think you can do that? Well, did, did you talk to a proper manager? No, I didn't. I, I'm, I, I did a rental meter analysis. Okay, that's not good enough. You got to talk to a proper manager. And maybe you should talk to two property managers. What about your lending assumptions? You're, you're modeling an 80, you know, 80% LTV at four and a quarter. Do you, have any, do you have any kind of terms that substantiates that? Because it could be a lot different than that. Right? So you go from just a, a simple a numbers analysis and then going deeper behind the analysis uh, of those numbers. Right. Outstanding. Yeah. And in that 10-minute um, analyzer, I mean, are you looking at what price per door, the uh, average rent for um, per door? Like what, what exactly are the key elements of that? So we have this red light, green light thing in the, in the analyzer, as you know, um, really what's driving it is the returns for the investor. Now, we always, we're always assuming that you're going to be raising money, right? Because right. there's some, some people who have some money, they have 100 grand and they, they're going to use it for their own deal. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You can model it that way as well. But really, even in that case, it's driven by the returns, okay? So you evaluate every single deal on returns. And there's two things that people look at, both from, uh, typically from a passive investor, is I want to know what is my cash on cash return, right. and I want to know what is my overall average annual compounded return, okay? Mm-hmm. And so let's say you're talking to your friends and family, and you're asking them, hey, how would you feel about a 12% average annual return? They're like, Mike, are you serious? Every single year? Yeah, and you're going to be paid an 8% cash on cash every single quarter. Like, no way. And they're happy as a clam if you gave them that. So you find deals and you model a deal that produces that kind of return. Now, if you have more sophisticated investors, they probably they won't get out of bed for anything less than a 15% average annual return. Okay, then you have to find deals and structure deals that meet that criteria. Right. And so basically to evaluate deals is all driven by the return. And so that's you have some levers to pull. You have the prices are obviously a big lever. If you want to produce a higher return, you got to lower the price, but just also the financing lever. Right. You can reduce your fees, okay? You can increase or decrease the split with your investors. All those things have an effect on the return. So you play with those returns until, you, uh, uh, until you're either out of the deal or you've met your, uh, your investor criteria for a good return. Awesome. So that's really cool then. You know, there are a lot of things that you can control within this process. Um, you know, obviously financing is something that's a little bit, you know, uh, sometimes out of your control, but, you know, depending on the deal, right, how it's structured. Um, but that's great, though, you know, because in this analyzer, right, it gives you a full scope of, you know, all the quick you know, plugs that you can go in to affect your outcome. And then based off that, you should be able to tell, right, what your offer should be at. That is solid. Um, can we talk real quick about um, what certain things people can do to help increase uh, the performance of their property? Right. So if I'm looking at a deal and I'm saying, okay, well, I can do X, Y, and Z, right? How can I get a better upside from that deal on the, on the uh, closing side of it? Yeah, the single biggest opportunity is typically on the, on the income side. Now, there's, there's levers you can pull on the expense side, mm-hmm. but be, typically the reason a property is not performing is because of the income side. And this could be through a combination of factors. One could be um, a high vacancy. Okay. Now, why why is a property high vacancy? Is is it because the market is a is a high vacancy market? In this in kind of environment, the answer is most likely no. So there's something about the property that's causing that vacancy. It could be that the owner doesn't have the money to turn units over. 
It could be that they don't have the money to make renovations. Uh, the, the property looks tired. So that's certainly one thing. The other one is, uh, is rents. So let's say they have a good occupancy, but their rents are under market uh, as is. And this could simply some owners, especially the self-managing ones, they don't want to push the envelope. Maybe the property's even paid off uh, and they're making great income on it. They don't need to squeeze every single dime out of the property, but the property next door that's professionally managed is getting $50 more. Now you couple that with the first one and you can oftentimes get rent bumps of $100 per more per month uh, by making some renovations to the property. And by doing that, the overall net operating income and the value of the building goes up dramatically, dramatically, right? So, and so you're putting in $5,000 per unit to replace carpets, paint, you know, cabinets, countertops, the fixtures, for example, make the place look a lot better than it was before. Uh, make some improvements to the outside. And so now you look like the property down the road that's getting $100 more per, per month in income. And, and it doesn't sound like much, but if you add, if you do the math, which hopefully we won't do on the show, but you know you know for a you know fifty twenty five unit building fifty unit building, you add a hundred dollars per rent, you're adding like a million dollars of of value you've created, essentially out of thin air just by by doing that kind of stuff. So it's in multifamilies, it's surprising how powerful um, this vehicle is for uh, for creating value. And it's not rocket science. Like it's a very specific deterministic way that one can do over and over again. Um, yeah, with a, with a high degree of reliability. That is awesome. Exactly. Right. And, you know, it's, and that's the whole difference between commercial and residential, right? I mean, you can just change and add that value and increase it, right? Increase what it's worth. Um, that's, that's phenomenal, man. Uh, so can you, we backtrack maybe just a little bit, right? And going to your first couple deals, what were some of the pitfalls that you ran into, right? Getting started into multifamily and maybe what questions should people ask if they're just getting started? Yeah, I mean, back, I mean, I got started in like 2005 and, and I think one of the major uh, challenges was there weren't a lot of people teaching this kind of stuff and certainly there wasn't any really mentors available. Mm. Um, so you could certainly learn things and I think, I think learning is definitely, the education is very, very key. Uh, but it, I don't care how good your course is, you're always going to get thrown uh, curveballs. In fact, we had a webinar yesterday with a, with a panel of some of our mentors and students, and we kind of polled, you know, did you, did you always have a plan going into the deal? Oh, yeah. How many of your deals actually ever went according to plan? And it was like, uh, none of them. <laughs> none of them. Well, what, how, how are you able to deal with this situation? Well, you have this, you know, this was a, a military style theme. It was, you know, it was your, it was your, it was your training. We had Phil Capron on his former special ops and yeah. he was, uh, this would have been interesting for, for you guys, you know, is, is what are the, what are the things he learned? Um, the things that he lessons he learned and how did it apply to well, the multifamily and basic training was one of those things, right? So it's like one of those things where everyone's got a plan. I think it's a Mike Tyson quote. Everybody's going to plan until you get punched in the face, right? So you have this, you have this basic training um, uh, and you have a plan, but then, you know, what do you do, right? So, so you, need, you need to be able to, you need to be resourceful. You need to have a basic training to fall back on and you need to have some kind of support to help you with situations that you may not have seen before. Um, and I think that was kind of missing when I got started. So I had to figure a lot of things out, like how to raise money, uh, this, just uncovering some, some analysis, uh, made some mistakes I made on the analysis side, some mistakes I made on the due diligence side, you know, basic stuff like, you know, why should you, uh, why should you video the, the sewer system on something that was built in 1920? Well, it makes sense now, maybe thinking back on it, but you know, that could call, that, that could be a pretty big uh, $30,000 bill if, if you make certain sure. mistakes like that. How do you deal with difficult tenants? What could we have done to screen those tenants uh, maybe uh, before the purchase? 
things that, things like that nature. And we have a lot more resources now available um, to to help people with that basic training, but also with the ongoing support by hopefully people who have uh, been doing this for a long time and have seen a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Outstanding, right? I mean, education is crucial. Uh, and guys, you know, we beat you guys over the head with it every single time, right? Knowledge builds confidence, and that confidence is going to help build your success. So. Um, Ah, phenomenal. Thank you so much, Mike. Really appreciate your, uh, your time here. Um, I, I want to take you in a bonus round because we're running out of time a little bit, but I've got three final questions for you just so folks can get to know you a little bit more. Uh, question number one, what's your favorite book? Uh, it's, it's tough to, it's like, Mike, it's like a tough question to answer because I have a lot of favorite books because I read constantly. I, I, I love it. Um, you know, I think, I think one, one uh, is probably The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Uh, only because I started doing that about three years ago, and I kind of struggled with you know a morning routine, and I I know the benefits of it. You know, it's it's silence, meditation, prayer, reading, journaling, visualizing, uh, exercise. Right, there's this morning routine, and and Hal finally in his book The Miracle Morning kind of describes those elements and the order and how you do those things, and and gives you structure. You know, I can't just sit there and meditate for like an hour. Like it drives me crazy. <laughs> now, right, so. Uh, so his book had a material impact on me, and and the the result of that is it allows you to really gain clarity uh, on on what you want in life, uh, what you want to achieve in life, and it could be financial, it could be relationships. Uh, in fact, Hal is is keynoting at our event in Dallas in July, so really really honored that that uh, that he's going to be there. Uh, obviously, it's nothing to do with with investing, but but the message he has is so powerful, regardless of what you're what you're doing. So. Uh, one of my all-time favorite books. In fact, he just bring he brought out a, a new book right now called The Miracle Equation. Came out I think uh, this month, uh, so I'm reading it right now. It looks it's much more goal-oriented than The Miracle Morning. It's kind of like part two of The Miracle Morning. So okay. it's awesome. Nice, outstanding. All right, question number two: Who is your biggest hero and why? A lot of a lot of influencers uh, in my life. Um, I used to I used to uh, back in the day. Uh, I used to think I could do things my, on my own, uh, and and just just because I was pretty arrogant, I felt like I I was pretty successful and had a lot of money. And who needs help, yep. <clears throat> right? And uh, you know, and and now I know that that's obviously very very wrong. Uh, so learning from people on multiple facets of your life, again, relationships or finance or investing or whatever the case may be, there's always people who are who are doing a much better job that you can try to model and, and learn from. You know, I think uh, I think probably Robert Kiyosaki is probably one of my bigger role models. Not only not only from Rich Dad Poor Dad, but I've been able to hang out with him the last three years on the real estate guys cruise. Oh, and man. he's he's Sorry. very guarded, right? He's very guarded. He's also very rough around the edges. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, when you listen to him, like for example, one of the things uh, he's very profound. Uh, just another example of of his influences. You know, he thinks that true intelligence is to look. Uh, to be able to, to to see all three sides of a coin. And you're like, what are you talking about? This coin's got two sides. He goes, yeah, it's got the heads and tails and it's got the edge. The edge is the third side of the coin and true intelligence is being able to stand on the edge and look at both sides of the coin and consider both sides of the coin and 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 being open to the possibility that it could be maybe not right or wrong or it could be both. It could be either or, or at least to be able to respect the other side. So stuff like that. Uh, there's a lot of depth to the man. Yeah. That is so deep. <laughs> As you were talking about that, I'm physically imagining myself standing on the edge of a coin and like looking around. That's it better great. be a big coin. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Goodness. 
Oh man. But, uh, definitely, um, that, that cruise, I've heard that brought up again too. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to put that on my vision board, right. As well. One of the things to do, I mean, I would love to, to talk, speak your brain after this, maybe about those cruises and you know, what's your experiences on that, but Trish phenomenal. Anyway, uh, question number three, and again, you've given us so much wisdom, so appreciate it so far. Uh, but what would be three good nuggets or takeaways that people who are just getting started now can, you know, can leverage, um, use, use, I'm sorry. Yeah, I think there's three. Uh, number one is, is clarity. Mm. And I think this is where the American morning really, really helps. Uh, clarity is so powerful. If you are very clear on who you are, what you want, what you don't want, um, it simplifies everything. Um, especially if you, if you align the two, what you want and who you are, if you align those two very closely, you're kind of living into, I don't know what you call it, your, your goal stream, your, whatever your energy is, right? If you align the two, a lot of times, you know, we don't know who we are and we don't know what we want. Well, we send mixed, you know, signals into the universe and God's like, well, all right, I don't know what to do with that. So you just flail around for a while until you figure it out. You know, honestly, your best life is right over here, right? And we're like, nah, we'll go over to here. It goes, sure, just bang your head against the wall a few times. And if you combine the two, if, if you're true, you know, if your true north is over here, that is who you're being is what you're meant to be. And you then align what you want with that. It's very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. And at the heart of that is, is gaining clarity and clarity with anything. I mean, losing weight, uh, becoming financially free, you know, gaining clarity around that uh, makes is a very, very powerful combination. And, and when you do that, what happens is you get, get point number two, and that is you decide. That you have to decide. You have to truly decide, which is one of my favorite quotes is by Tony Robbins. I have it on my wall here. It's in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. It's in your moments of decision. And I've traced things back to where things kind of emanated from. And it's really a decision point that comes out of clarity. And it could be a life event. It could be uh, someone uh, passed away or became ill, or it could be a conversation with your daughter you know, and, and she, was, uh, she was in tears because you couldn't come to her recital tomorrow because you had to work. Whatever it is, you had this moment of clarity. And from that point forward, you've decided that enough is enough. And it comes to this decision point. And at that point, there can be no other outcome but that which you've decided. And what happens then naturally is number three is you're going to take action. Okay, if you've truly decided that enough is enough, you're going to naturally take action. Now you have to make that you have to make all three of those decisions almost every single day. It's like being married. It's like not, you know, it's not like you're married like once and you stay married. Now you got to get up every single morning and go, oh, <laughs> I'm going to keep doing this stupid thing, <laughs> right? And so every every yeah. single day you kind of kind of hey, do I am I still clear on it? Yup. Okay. Am I still deciding that financial freedom is a good idea? Yup. Am I going to and then I'm going to take action today? Okay. I'm going to take these. I'm going to do three things this today. I'm going to do three things this week, three things this month, and I'm just going to keep taking action. Uh, and you combine those three and you can achieve anything in life. Outstanding, man. I firmly believe that. And hopefully people are waking up a little happier in their marriages, guys. You know, <laughs> if not, then maybe you guys should both do the Miracle Morning together because that was a phenomenal book. But, um, but thank you so much really for the wisdom, Mike. This is absolutely amazing. Um, you mentioned briefly about an event going on in Dallas. Yeah, we have our second uh, annual DealMaker Live event. It's July 26, 27. It's at the Hilton Anatole in, in Dallas. And it's, uh, it's going to be, if, if not the largest, one of the largest multifamily events in the, in the country. And it's really for uh, passive investors looking for alternative investments in multifamily syndications. It's going to be for active investors. Uh, and they're going to be there for syndicators or capital raisers. 
So we have a, essentially a who's who of multifamily. We have Robert Helms from Real Estate Guys. Awesome. We got Joe Fairless, Corey Peterson, Adam Adams, Neil Bawa. So a lot of people you may have recognized in the space are, are yeah. going to be there and uh, really excited about it. All right. Outstanding. Well, best of luck with that event. Guys, make sure that you go check that out. I'll drop a link for that in the show notes page, uh, as well as links to you know Michael's website, themichaelblanc.com. And uh, also to his podcast. So you guys can go check out, uh, check out Mike and can uh, get in touch. Thanks again so much for your time, Mike. Really appreciate you on the podcast. Hey, Mike, thank you so much for doing what you're doing uh, and with a message you have for our military men and women. I appreciate that. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you. It's an honor to do it. Awesome. Outstanding. Thank you so much, Mike, for your time. And thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, whatever you guys are doing out there, I hope you're having an awesome weekend. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, make sure you do because we have other awesome episodes coming up. And uh, man, you don't want to miss it out. You really don't want to miss out. We're getting close to 100, right? Can you believe it? Dang, man. <laughs> it's, uh, it's crazy. Started this thing on deployment, man. It's still going strong. So I love it. We love you guys. Thank you so much for your support. If you haven't checked out our website yet, make sure you go check it out, www.activedutypassiveincome.com and figure out all the resources that we have available to you to help you on your financial freedom journey. Like scheduling a call, schedule a free call with us. Go ahead and text ADPI to 444-999 to hop on a call with me and maybe I can give you some action steps on how to get yourself going on your journey. Catch you later. Catch you later.